This is Daf Kafchet in Masechet Anit. We will begin on Daf Kafchet Amud Aleph, three lines from the top of the Amud. Ibailu, they asked the following question. And really, this is going on something that we mentioned when we learned the Mishnah. It spoke about the Ma'amadot, the group of uh, ordinary Jews who would gather, part of them in Yerushalayim, and part of the group would gather in the cities where they were found, and they would pray for the uh, Korbanot to be received on behalf of the Jewish people. And they would pray Shacharit and Musaf, Mincha and Ne'ilah. They would fast. They would read the Torah, the section of the Torah of Bereshit. And it said that Shacharit and Musaf, and then it said, Uva Mincha Kurin al that it was unclear. In Shacharit, for sure, they were reading out of the Sefer Torah, but it wasn't clear if they were reading out of the Sefer Torah at Musaf, because definitely at Minchad, saying it's Al-Peh, that they would read it orally, they didn't read it out of a Sefer Torah, but what did they do in Musaf? Does Musaf, Musaf group together with Mincha or group together with Shacharit? So that's the question. Does it mean that in Shacharit and Musaf, they read it in a Sefer Torah, and at Mincha they read it without a Sefer Torah? Or does it mean, Maybe it means that only at Shacharit they read it in the Sefer Torah, but when Musaf and Mincha Korinot Al Peh, but at Musaf and Mincha that's when they read it Al Peh Ke Korinet Shema, like with the way that we read the Shema without a Sefer Torah. So that's the question. Where does Musaf fit in Tashema? The Tanit B'Shacharit when Musaf Nechlasin Abed Knesset B'Koin Kedach Shachuin Kol Hashana. This Brayta makes it very clear. At Shacharit and Musaf they go to the Bed Knesset and they read the way that they would read any other time, meaning out of a Sefer Torah of Mincha Yachid Korinot Al Peh, and at Mincha an individual reads it Al Peh. Orally, meaning not out of the Sefer Torah. Can an individual, asked Rabbi Yossi, read uh, orally without a text in front of him something for the community? Rather, everybody gets in and reads Bereshit by heart, the way that we read the Shema, not out of a Sefer Torah. It doesn't mean an individual reads to fulfill the mitzvah of others. It means <coughs> that the, um, the entire group does that. And uh, this is one of the sources that one opinion is, one, of, one opinion that's brought in the Rishonim that Tosafot brings is that the restriction on orally reciting written text, because there's a rule that you're not supposed to uh, read Divrei Torah that are Tanakh Baal Peh without a text in front of you. Some say that that only applies when you're reading it B'Tzibur, when you're reading it uh, for the community. And that, this is a source for that, this is the basis for that, uh, that position, that it, the problem is when you're reading on behalf of everybody. So we see from there that in Musaf and Shacharit, they read out of the Sefer Torah. When it was, uh, min, when it was Mincha, they read it Baal Peh. When there's a halal in the morning, there's no ma'amad. So the issue is that when it comes to halal, in other words, the shacharit, instead of having the ma'amad prayers and the kriyat, the Torah they would have, they would have omitted it because, uh, because, of the, uh, because of the halal already added something to the shacharit. So they didn't add the uh, ma'amad part. Now, some people say that's referring to the ma'amad prayers only, or some people say it's also the reading of the Torah that they omitted uh, in the morning. They omitted something or all of the Ma'amad service. Okay, it says, My fresh what's the difference between Halil? Where when there's a, when there is a, uh, uh, when there is Halil, we're saying that in Shachrit we drop the Ma'amad prayers. But on the other hand, what's the, what is it comparing it to? The case of Koban Etzim, when there is an offering of wood that day by one of the families that brought the wood offerings, so they would leave out the Ma'amad of, uh, it's, they would bring out, they would, they would leave out the Ma'amad of Ne'ilah. They would bring. They would drop the ma'amad of neilah, but they didn't drop the ma'amad of mincha, and the and the offering 
of the uh, wood was around the time of Mincha. So why wouldn't they off- why wouldn't they drop the Ma'amad of Mincha then when they had that extra offering going on in the Beit HaMikdash? So the answer is because one is based on the Torah, one is based on the rabbis. The way that Rashi explains and Tosfot explains is that Mincha has its roots in the Torah because it's uh, something which has this, even though really it's not the right literally, but it was established by Yitzchak, it was established by the Avot, it has the status of a Divrei uh, Torah. So therefore when it comes to Mincha, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to mess around with Mincha, as opposed to Neila, which is something that the rabbis innovated, so therefore they will drop that. So in other words, since the Korban Etzim is just a custom, it's just a practice that was done, that certain families would bring Korban Etzim on that day, we don't want to push off something related to Mincha, when Mincha is actually really has a uh, biblical status. We could push off Neila Ma'amad for that. But when it, uh, only in Shachrit, w- because of the Alel, we, can, uh, we push off the, uh, the Ma'amad. But in the afternoon, when it's just a Korban Etzim, we're not going to push off the Ma'amad of Mincha, only of Ne'ilah in that case, because Ne'ilah has a lesser status in terms of its uh, significance. I'm sorry. What's the time of the uh, wood that's brought by the Kohanim and Am and the people? What was the reason for this whole concept that there's a time of Atse Kohanim when wood is brought by Kohanim or by the people? Because when the people came back from, when the Jewish people came back from Bavel, they didn't have enough wood to start the Korbanot. And these families of Kohanim and some non-Kohanim they volunteered to bring wood. So the prophets among them said, Even if there's plenty of wood, these families would have a special holiday for their family where they would give of their own to remember the original chesed that they did back in the beginning. So it's, this pasuk says that what they did was they created and they established special days that uh, 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 for the Koban Ha'etzim, for the offering of the, uh, of the wood, the Kohanim, Levi'im, and the people to bring to the house of our God, uh, to the house of our forefathers, at specific times each year to burn the wood on the Mizbech of Hashem, our God, like it is written in the Torah. In other words, they had, they established um, after, they, uh, after they had made a decision about which families would bring and what days, the various ones that, uh, that volunteered, they, they gave them certain days to bring it, and then those days became their fixed days for all time that they would bring on those days uh, uh, an offering, a contribution of wood. It said in the Mishnah, the sons of those who stole the pestle, which is what you grind up spices with, or the ones who were the, uh, who cut the fig cake. So what is talking about? One time, the, uh, the non-Jewish kingdom made a gzerah, they made a decree against the Jewish people, that they were not allowed to bring wood up to the Beit HaMikdash. And also they weren't allowed to bring first fruits to Yerushalayim. They put officers to block the way. That uh, they wanted to, just like Yeruvan ben Nevat made a, uh, to try to prevent the Jewish people from going up to Yerushalayim so he could maintain uh, the power of his kingdom. He didn't want them going to Yerushalayim, which was in the other kingdom, the kingdom of Yehuda. He didn't want them going there. So he put guards to prevent them from making Aliyah Regal. So too, the, uh, uh, the, the kingdom, that, in this case, the Gentile kingdom of the Malchut HaRasha'ah, the wicked kingdom of the non-Jews, prevented the Jews from going up for, for uh, Bikurim and for bringing wood to the Beit HaMikdash. So Ma'asuk Sherin, what did the kosher people, the people who are fine people do? And so it says, And those who feared sin at that time, what they did was they brought baskets of the actual first fruits, but they covered them with dried fig cakes, 
Vali al kifin, and they brought them with the uh, this chopping or crushing uh, tool on their uh, shoulders. Then when the guards would see them, they said to them, "Where are you going?" They said to the guards, "We're going to make these these dried figs into cakes." With the you know with the tools with the presser that is ahead of us, with the tool that's on our shoulders that we're carrying, we're going to use this to make these fig cakes. As soon as they passed the guards, they decorated the beautiful baskets. And they brought the bikurim liyoshalim. In other words, what they did was that they covered up what they were doing. They made it look like they were going to do some work with figs, bringing these tools and so on. And since they stole, meaning they stole the mind, they fooled the uh, guards using the um, fig cake idea. So they're called those who stole with the fig cakes or those who stole with the, um, with the, uh, uh, with the Ali, with the, uh, with the uh, crusher, with the, with the tool for, uh, uh, for chopping and crushing. Now the Tana says, These people were actually the children of Salmai and Tofati. Who were the people, who were the sons of, uh, of uh, Salmai and Tofati? At one time, the wicked king that made a decree that the Jews could not bring wood to the Beit HaMikdash. And they put guards at the, at the border so that the Jews would not be able to go and bring the wood to the Beit that's the same way that Yehov Amben about the wicked king prevented the Jews from going to Yerushalayim for Ali Al-Ragel. So what did the good people do? They took wood and they made ladders. And they were carrying the ladders. And they walked. And when they got to the guards, the guards asked them, where are you going with these, uh, with these ladders? We're going to a dovecote and we want to bring birds down from the dovecote. We're just going for uh, to collect birds. We, and we're going to use the um, the ladders that are on our shoulders. And once they passed, as soon as they passed by, they dismantled the uh, ladders and they used the wood and they brought it to Yerushalayim. About such people, about these people and people like them, we say the remembrance of a tzaddik is for a bracha. We say about such wicked people that the name of the wicked should rot. So you see that these people, at certain at a certain amount of uh, risk, they secretly smuggle the items for the upkeep of the Beit Hamikdash and the fulfillment of the mitzvot past the guards. On the twentieth of the month, Bnei Pachat Moav Ben Yehuda, the sons of Pachat Moav Ben Yehuda, would bring wood. These people, Bnei Pachat Moav Ben Yehuda, is really Ben David. It means from the family of David Melech. Actually, no, these are the descendants of Yoav ben Surya. Both of them would be called the children of Pachat Moab, the governor of Moab, because they both came from Ruta Moavia, because David and Yoav actually were related, because David was the uncle of Yoav. Uh, David's sister, Tsuruya, um, uh, was the mother of, uh, was the mother of Yoav. Tana, Bnei Pachat ben Moab, those who were, I'm sorry, Beswim Belul Bnei Adin ben Yehuda. Then on the 20th of Elul, it was Adin ben Yehuda. Who, who was that? Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, Bnei Adin ben Yehuda, Hinein Bnei David ben Yehuda. According to this opinion, Bnei Adin ben Yehuda were actually the children of David, the descendants of David Melech. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Hinein Bnei Yoav ben Surah. According to this, no, Rabbi Yossi says that they were the children of Yoav ben Surah, just like before we said that Rabbi Yossi said that the Bnei Pachat uh, Moav 
uh, Ben Yehuda were really the sons of the descendants of Yoav Ben Suya from the Tanakh. He's saying here, no, but the Adin Ben Yehuda, those were the descendants of Yoav Ben Suya. Okay? On the first of Tevet, the children of Parosh would go again to bring the wood again. Who is our Mishnah? Doesn't fit with any of the opinions that we just mentioned. Not Rabbi Meir, not Rabbi Yehuda, not Rabbi Yossi. Why? Because if it's Rabbi Meir, then really it should say that the Bnei David came back again. Why? Because uh, since he says that that Pachat Moav Ben Yehuda is really David, so then when it says the Bnei David. Uh, the uh, David ben Yehuda. So that's just saying again the same people again. So when it first mentioned the bnei David ben Yehuda, that was the first time. And when it mentions the bnei Pachat Moab ben Yehuda, it should say that was them going again. It shouldn't say a di- like if a different name, right? So then uh, and Irabi Yosi. So litnei Shavu bnei Yoav ben Tzruyashnia. And if it was uh, Rabbi Yossi, well, Rabbi Yossi says that two of the people on the list were actually the children of the Yoav ben Suya. He said that when it says Bnei, uh, when it says Bnei Pachad Moav ben Yehuda, that's that's talking about the uh, children of uh, Yoav ben Suya. When it says Adin ben Yehuda, it's also talking about uh, the children of uh, Yoav ben Suya. So twice it says the same group of people with different names. It should say they returned back a second time. It shouldn't use a different name to describe them each time. So it says, ah, no. The Olam Rabbi Yossi, it's really Rabbi Yossi. Utrei Tana Eli Bad Rabbi Yossi. But there are two Tanaim that follow Rabbi Yossi. In other words, there are two interpretations of Rabbi Yossi. One is that he thought that Adin ben Yehuda was the, um, was the children of Yoav ben Surya. One is that the Pachat Moav ben Yehuda is the, uh, were really the children of Yoav ben Surya. But not both. So Rashi says, Man de Amar bene Adin ben Yehuda, Hainu bene Yoav. The one that says that Adin ben Yehuda, those were the descendants of Yoav. Lo savala de me pachat moav, Hainu Yoav. It's not that there are two different people on the list that are going by the diff- two different names, but it's really the same group. We're not saying that. We don't say that it's the same one going twice. Right? It's two, di- so according to the one that pachat moav ben Yehuda is, ben, is the children of Yoav, uh, then Adin ben Yehuda is not the children of Yoav, and according to the one that says that the children of uh, that Pachad uh, that Pachad Moav ben Yehuda is uh, the children, uh, you know, are the children of uh, Yoav. So then the Adin ben Yehuda is not going to be. In other words, it can only be one or the other one, not both, because otherwise you're going to have a repetition with two different names. And Velos v'Galenami Dach ben Deha Dehen Hen bnei David Dim Ken Shav bnei David Shniyam Mibayle. Same thing is going to be if you say that Pachat Moab ben Yehuda is really the children of David. You're going to have a problem that he's mentioned twice, bnei David ben Yehuda, and also bnei Pachat Moab ben Yehuda. You're saying those are the same people. There'll also be a problem, right? So Ela Mishpacha Cheretin Umanda Mar bnei Pachat Moab Hainu bnei Yoav Los v'Galenai Dibnei Adina Hainu Yoav Ela Mishpacha Cheretin. In other words, according to everyone. Each family is only mentioned once. So the people who say that Pachat um, Moav is going to be Bnei Yoav Ben Surya cannot say that Adin Ben Yehuda is the, from Yoav Ben Surya and so on. You, everyone is going to work, it's going to work out that those opinions are going to say that everyone else on the list is a different family, not a repeat of any one particular family. And so there's not going to be any repetition in the Mishnah. The son of Rav Chizda said to Rav Ashi, "Ma'ishna Halel the Dachedi Day, or Ma'ishna Imuzad la Dachedi Day." What is the deal with Halel that it pushes off its own? In other words, it pushes off the Shacharit Ma'amad, but Musaf doesn't. Amalei Rav Ashi Hashdad la Dachedi Day Lo Kol Shekem. What are you talking about? Of course it does. 
if it pushes off what is not its own. In other words, it pushes off the ma'amad when there is a uh, when there is a korban uh, musaf today. There's no ma'amad at mincha, right? So certainly it's going to push off the ma'amad at musaf. What I'm saying is it should just push off its own. In other words, just like the shacharit, when there's a halal, we push off the ma'amad service because there's halal at musaf. If there's a korban musaf, we should push off the ma'amad. But not, it shouldn't affect mincha. Do you have Rabbi Yossi who agrees with you? Rabbi Yossi said, He said, any day that has musaf has a ma'amad. What ma'amad is he talking about? Everybody agrees that there's a ma'amad of shachrit when there's a korban musaf. Why would it affect the ma'amad of shachrit? That's beforehand. Alright, so... <coughs> Are you going to say that it has a ma'amad of musaf? Meaning, even though there's a korban musaf, they're not going to they're not going to suspend the ma'amad of musaf. How's that possible? Ella de mincha. Rather, it must mean that there's going to be one at mincha, right? So it says korban etzim dachei, right? So it's I'm sorry, korban dachei ella lav din ila, right? So the thing is that so therefore you must say that it's at mincha now. But the Gemara says no. That uh, rather, and the way that the Gra has it is, and seems to flow better, Ella dimincha udin ila is what it should say. Um, that uh, that uh, the the day the lo that shema uh, In other words, that it's saying that according to Rabbi Yossi, you have uh, a ma'amad, meaning all other ma'amad. Services the mincha and the ni'ilah is not going to be pushed off because of musaf. Only the one of musaf is going to be pushed off. <clears throat> That's what he meant when he said that uh, there's going to be a ma'amad. He meant that there's going to be a ma'amad for uh, for uh, ni'ilah that day and for mincha the way the Gra has it, even though there's a musaf that day. Now the way that our Gemara has it that it inserts the korban etzim dachei is saying that no musaf should also push off mincha. Uh, but not Neilah, it should keep Neilah. But, uh, the, and that's the way that, uh, and that's the way that Rashi has it. Amar Rabbi Yossi, the yesh bo ma'amad ve'en musab doche oto, it's talking only about Neilah according to that, not about Mincha, right? So the, that's the way that Rashi, uh, that Rashi interprets it. But the way that the Gra interprets it fits better with the flow of the Gemara, because the point of the Gemara was that the Musaf only pushes off its own, it doesn't push off Mincha or Neilah, According to Rabbi Yossi, and that's indeed what it would mean then, that, that there is one for Mincha and there is one for Neila, just not for Musaf. Now, the interesting thing here that I just want to point out, it's a little bit out of the scope of the Dafyomi, but I think it's really important just for understanding the Pshat here, that um, it's very difficult to understand this Gemara unless you assume what the Rambam says, that is somewhat disputed, that not everybody agrees with, but what the Rambam says, I feel, is the only way you can understand this Gemara. Because the Rambam says that the, during the Ma'amad, there were four tefillot a day, every day. There was a shacharit, an extra tefillah that you could call musaf, even though it wasn't actually a musaf, because there was no korban musaf that day. Then mincha, then ne'ilah. Every day of the ma'amadot, that's what you had. Now, why is it necessary to say that? Because if you're going to say that the people in the ma'amadot only prayed musaf when there was a korban musaf, that would mean that there was never a ma'amad of musaf. So why would they talk about omitting the ma'amad of musaf when there's a korban musaf, if the only time they said a, a, a filat musaf during the mamadot was when there was a korban musaf, 
and every time there's a korban musaf, they don't say the ma'amad, so then they never say the ma'amad of musaf, because by definition, they're only going to say tefillat musaf when there's a korban musaf, and therefore they're going to omit the ma'amad every single time. But the Rambam's chidush is that actually they prayed a kind of a musaf, a second prayer after shacharit, every day in the ma'amadot. And then when there was a real korban musaf, then because of the additional uh, at the fact that the uh, the Jews who were in the Mamadot in Yerushalayim had to assist with the Korbanot and this and that, and there was a lot to do, so therefore the, uh, uh, they omitted the Ma'amad of that Musaf on days when there was an actual Musaf. It really only is, it can be understood according to the Rambam as far as I can see, uh, because you need to assume that there was such a concept as a Tefilat Musaf that the Ma'amadot were saying, even when there wasn't a Korban Musaf. <coughs> Otherwise, it makes no sense to have a Ma'amad of Musaf altogether. Because it's pushed off anytime there's a Koban Musaf. In any case, the Gemara goes on. There should be another day. It mentioned Rosh Chodesh Tevet, when you have Halel and you have Musaf and you have Koban Etzim. <coughs> but it didn't mention that on Nisan, which is the same, there's Halel for Rosh Chodesh, there's a Koban Musaf and there's also a Koban Etzim. It should also eliminate all the Ma'amadot that day. You see from there that the Halel. Rosh uh, Chodesh doesn't have the status of Deoraita, meaning it's not a full obligation. Because Rabbi Yochanan there's 18 days in a year that we finish the Halel. That we say uh, on, on the eight, eight days of, of uh, Sukkot, eight days of Chanukah, the first day of Pesach, and on Shavuot, that's it. Uh, and in outside of Israel, there's a 21 because there's Tishat Yemechag. There's nine days of Sukkot because Shemini Yatzer is two days. Ushmonat Yemechanukah, there we only have eight. Ushnei Yavim Rishonim Shal Pesach, the two first days of Pesach. And Shnei Yavim Toim Shal Atzerot on the two days of Shavuot in that case. But basically, Rosh Chodesh is not counted. And that's why the Halel of Rosh Chodesh does not push off the Ma'amad. Uh, when it uh, when they had the Ma'amadot, they did not omit the Ma'amad because of the Halel of Rosh Chodesh. One time, Rav came to Bavil Chazinu. He saw that they were reading Halel and Rosh Chodesh. So Afsukin, we wanted to interrupt them. He said, "What are they doing?" When he saw they were skipping Amar he then said, "This must be a custom of their forefathers." An individual should not begin the, uh, the Rosh Chodesh Halel, but but if he did, he should finish it. Now the idea is that. He came to a synagogue where they were reading Halel and Rosh Chodesh. He had never seen it before, but when he saw they were doing Halel Bediluk, they were skipping parts. He saw they weren't doing a full Halel, and he said it was okay. Now you have here an interesting Machloket uh, Rishonim about Halel when we do a half Halel. According to the Tosfot here, they say, and this is the Shitab, the Tosfot, the position of the Tosfot throughout, that there's always a Bacha on the partial Halel. There's always a Bacha on the partial Halel. According to the Rambam and those who follow his opinion, there is never a Bacha on the partial Halel. Then there are some who say it depends. On Rosh Chodesh, where it's only a custom, there is no Bacha. On days like uh, the intermediate days of uh, Pesach, where really we should be saying Halel, but we diminish it somewhat, there, there should be a Bacha on those, uh, on those days. But there's, so they make a distinction between the two. But the point is that according to the Tosafot, they say even though it's a custom, you say a bacha, right? Rambam says, no, since it's only a custom, you don't. And an individual, then there's those who, there are those who say that in the tzibur, when it's a communal reading of the Halel on Rosh Chodesh, that's where the official minhag is, so then you should say the bacha. When you're reading it alone, you shouldn't say the bacha. That's an additional opinion. 
Okay, so that so uh, and they and they quote this Gemara that says Hayechid lo yatchil. If you're on on your own, you shouldn't even say the Halel of Rosh Chodesh. But if you're in the community, you should say it. And the, the Rambam interprets it like this. He says, if you're in the community, you should say it, but without a bracha. If you're alone, you don't say it at all. Then there are those that say you should always say it uh, without a bracha. And then there are those who say that uh, that if you say it in the community, you say a bracha. Like I said before. In any case, those are the various opinions about the Hallel of Rosh Chodesh, and this is one of the sources that factors into the discussion. Where do we get? Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped. Five things happened on the 17th of Tammuz. How do we know that the Luchot, that the tablets of the Yeserot were broken on the 17th of That according to the Chachamim, uh, the Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan, according to Rabbi Yossi, it was the 7th. Uh, according to the one that, the, that says that the Torah was given on the 6th of Sivan, then Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the mountain on the 7th. And according to Rabbi Yossi that the Torah was given on the 7th day of Sivan, Moshe Rabbeinu also went up to Har Sinai to receive the rest on the 7th of Sivan. In other words, everyone agrees that he went up on the 7th of Sivan. Because <coughs> it says that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the seventh day, which they're interpreting here not just on the seventh day, meaning seven days of waiting, but meaning the seventh day, day, seventh day of Sivan. And it says that he came up on the Sinai and he stayed there forty days and forty nights. So that was twenty-four days left of Sivan. And sixteen days of Tammuz. Right. So that means that forty days were finished. Twenty-four days were left of Sivan. Right. Then you have sixteen days of Tammuz, and he came down. Nachit ata v'tavrinu luchot, and then on the seventeenth of Tammuz he came down and he broke the luchot. Uchti va'yikashel karav elamachane varot ha'egel umcholot va'yashlech miyadav et haluchot va'yishverotam tachadar. And it says when he came down he saw them worshiping the egel azav, so he uh, he threw them, he threw down the luchot, and he broke them. That's what happened on Shiva Sabbat Tammuz. Batel tamid gemara. How do we know that the tamid was discontinued in the Beit Hamikdash on the seventeenth of Tammuz? It's just a tradition that we know that hufka yirbiyotzayin havat. Was it true that? The next thing that was on the list was that the city's walls were breached. That happened on the 17th of Tammuz. It says that it happened on the 9th of Tammuz, that the people became, the famine became very intense and they broke through the walls. The 9th, not the 17th. It depends. In the first Beit HaMikdash it happened on the 9th. On the second Beit HaMikdash it happened on the 17th of Tammuz. As it said in a Brayta, uh, in the first Beit HaMikdash, the walls of Yerushalayim were breached on the 9th of Tammuz, and B'Shniyah B'Shiva Asarbo, on the, um, in the uh, second Beit HaMikdash, was the 17th. Sarav, Apostomos Torah, Gemara. How do we know that Apostomos burnt the Torah in Shiva Asarbo Tammuz? It is a tradition that we have. We, uh, it's an oral tradition. No uh, further explanation is offered beyond that. Uh, an idol was placed in the Echal, Minalan Dechtiv, as it says, It says from the time that the Tamid was stopped, in other words, the Korban Tamid offering was stopped in the Beit HaMikdash, a uh, disturbing, disgusting abomination was placed in the Beit HaMikdash. Right? V'chadava, where there really, was there really only one idol? V'aktiv. But doesn't it say, uh, when describing the idolatry that's brought into the Beit HaMikdash, it says that there wasn't one, that there were actually two such idols placed in the Beit HaMikdash, not only one, and uh, and um, as is described, because uh, it says in that same pasuk, 
um, I'm sorry, not knowing the, uh, it's not in the same Pasuk, it's, uh, it's elsewhere in Sefer Daniel, that it says, when it describes it, it says, uh, it says on the wings of Shikutim, it's in the plural, um, so it sounds like there's more than one. Rava says, there were two, one fell on the other, and broke its hand. That uh, it was found written on it. You wanted to destroy the Beit Hamikdash. Your your hand, you paid for it. So the uh, it's very unclear what this is talking about. There's two ways of in- interpreting it. One is that the idol that fell broke its hand, and that it was written on the broken idol. And the other is that no, the uh, the idol that it was standing up broke the hand of the other idol when it fell on it. Um, but either way, the point is that it's saying that the, uh, that there were, there was, there were originally two idols, but one of them broke, and so it's not counted. Now, the way that Rashi explains what happened here, what is this, what's written on the idol, is that, that you, that one idol said to the other one, you wanted to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, but, and he says, and I, uh, I uh, rebelled against you, so to speak. I, I punished you, and, uh, and therefore I uh, broke your hand. That's, that's one interpretation of, uh, of the, di- in other words, that was the dialogue, that, so to speak, metaphoric dialogue between these two, uh, 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 these two idols. The other possibility is Rashi brings the Shnachrina Antsavida Hueve Betavia Viad Viadach Oshelit. In other words, uh, that I, I, you wanted to destroy the Beit Hamikdash, and he says that it means that I, I succeeded to do it. In other words, uh, that, that that's that what was that's what was written. That um, that the idol is saying is declaring victory uh, in the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash. Uh, here, but the point is that one of them fell over and its hand was broken. The uh, uh, but and that's why it's counted as only one idol in the uh, hechal and not two, even though originally there were two.